This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Are the old world, picturesque shores of Europe calling you? Set sail on an adventure with Avalon Waterways. Enjoy an elevated cruising experience. Avalon Waterways offers smaller ships, bigger experiences with fewer people and more of, well, everything good about river cruising. Don't just dream about quaint towns and cobblestone villages. See them for yourself and make lasting memories. Discover limited time offers today at avalonwaterways.com. What does it mean to be a fighter and a warrior? Most of us think of soldiers in combat or prize fighters in the ring. We think of physical toughness. But fighting is more mental than physical. Behind every great fighter, warrior, or athlete is an unrelenting mental toughness that fuels their tenacity. It's what gives them to draw the drive to do one more set in the weight room or go one more round in the ring when they're out of steam. When they get knocked down, they get back up. Being a fighter starts with conviction and leads to not giving up no matter what. Being a warrior means being relentless. It's a state of mind. That tenacity has helped me in my own journey. When I was first commissioned as a young officer, I was assigned to the Air Defense Artillery Branch, but I joined the military to be boots on the ground, front towards enemy, so I wanted to join the infantry. Um, when I didn't get that, I requested a transfer, a branch transfer to, you guessed it, the infantry, and time after time, I was denied. I sent a request Damn near every week until finally my branch manager relented and allowed me to join the infantry. He said something like, congratulations, Sean, your branch transfer to the infantry has been approved. Get ready because you're going to ranger school in a couple of months. <laughs> so I got to ranger school um, and I failed. I failed the first phase of ranger school. I, I recycled back to the beginning of the patrol phase at Fort Benning. Um, but I was told to pack up and go home, but I didn't give up. I recycled and eventually I made it through the school and got the coveted Ranger tab for my uniform. But for me, being a warrior started long before I got off the Chinook in the mountains of Afghanistan, before I ever even saw combat, because being a fighter starts within, starts in your heart and then in your mind. 
but not every warrior goes into combat. We need warriors and fighters here at home as well, fighting for truth in our culture, shaping our country from within so that it measures up to the sacrifices of those who fight for it overseas. We need warriors who take arrows from corrupt institutions in the fight for truth and who brush off the attacks and keep on fighting. Their voices rally the rest of the country to join that fight as well. My guest today is one of the most tenacious fighters I have ever met here at home. She's been canceled over and over again, but she has always stood back up and got back in the fight each time with more ferocity than before. Her name is Wendy Bell. She's a former news anchor with 21 Emmys under her belt. She's been canceled more than a few times for refusing to toe the line for the media machine. She is a powerhouse in the fight for freedom here in America and one of the most articulate voices in the conservative movement today. And I am so blessed to call her a friend. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope so very much that you enjoy my conversation with the great and relentless Wendy Bell. Hey, Wendy, welcome to Battleground. It's so great to have you. Uh, you know, you and I have been friends for a really, really long time. And and even before that, I was watching you on the news, used to work for WTAE and all sorts, you've got all sorts of television media experience. And um, you're you're a legend, you know, especially in, in Pennsylvania. And so it's it's a it's a true honor to have you have you on the show. And I'm just so excited you're here. Thank you for coming. Well, thanks for the invitation. This is really fun to be a part of this with you because this is where this is where conservatives get to actually speak their mind. You know, we're not censoring each other. We're we're interested in actually getting into issues and solving problems and having honest conversations. And and isn't that refreshing because you don't get that anywhere anymore? Absolutely. And hey, the tables have turned because typically you are the one that is asking the questions of me and I am the one answering them. So it's an interesting dynamic here. So you're, you're the guest now on, on the show and, um, it's pretty damn cool. So I am, I I have so many things that I want to ask you about, uh, Wendy. And the first of which is, you know, so you used to work for, um, WTAE and Mm -hmm. do you remember, do you remember? Cause I, I remember like you were actually an anchor when John Fetterman got busted for, trying to hold up that block jogger with the shotgun. Do you remember that? Oh uh, yeah. I, yeah. I feel like you were an anchor for so many pivotal moments in Western Pennsylvania and in Pittsburgh. But what has blown me away about you since then is like WTAE let you go for some BS reason. Um, but you, you have been uncancelable, you know, and I learned a lesson in Afghanistan from one of my soldiers after I got blown up and wounded over there. Um, the first thing that he said when I came to, he's like shaking me. He was like, Sean, wake up, sir. Like, get back in the fight. That's never been an issue for you, it seems. It seems like every single time you hit a roadblock or you get knocked down, you get back, you back, you get back up and you get in the fight even more passionately than, than you were before. It is, um, 
I, I will say this, when you know who you are and you know what you are, it doesn't matter what people say about you. It doesn't matter what the newspaper says about you. It doesn't matter what people whisper about you. And you have a conviction about what you're doing and what you care about. And it's unwavering. So yeah, I'm kind of like a cockroach, right? I keep coming back. <laughs> right? I love that. I love that you're starting off with me being fired multiple times and all this. This is great. Thanks, John. I love well, that. Hey, you know what? Like, I know what that's like. <laughs> so, so. So I, I, it's not, it's to me, it's not about the, the firing. I think you were fired for complete BS reasons, you know, and, and it's like, what about our culture today? How have we gotten to a point, Wendy, where we're not allowed to talk about certain issues, issues that are definitively true and, and also issues that are important for our culture. Right. Well, you know, I like to think in 2016, when I lost my job, I had just signed a very big contract. So there were a lot of things that went into this. I was one of the first really public um, cancel victims. And um, I kind of wear that as a badge of honor because, you know, I have five boys and if I can show them anything, it's how you keep getting up no matter what. And they watched that. They were a part of that. And I'm so grateful that that happened because I was able to discover the super passionate voice I have for conservatism that you're not allowed. You weren't then and I wouldn't have and didn't express on the air. You know, you're supposed to be impartial. You're supposed to be objective. You're supposed to tell stories. You're supposed to tell the news. And if I hadn't had that happen to me, I wouldn't have taken this sharp detour. I wouldn't have been able to take, literally, I was off for four years. I did very little for four. I was a mom. It was the greatest gift I've had in my life. I got to navigate all sorts of strange storms that my kids were going through. I got to teach them how to drive. I got to see all of these pivotal moments in their lives. I would have missed so much. I am so grateful. And so I have this su super firm backing like you do about faith and family and freedom. And it's, you know, when you have that on your side, who's going to knock you down? I, I think it's amazing, Wendy. I mean, so much of your success is clearly about your attitude and, and the idea that we should never quit um, when we face any sort of adversity. I I have so many questions based on everything that you just told me right now. But the first of which is like, you've been in media a very long time and you talked about, Hey, you know, you're, we're in the media. Like we're supposed to, to report the facts and let the people decide. Right. Mm -hmm. Was there a moment for you where you realized like, mm -hmm. Holy cow, this is not <laughs> the case. Things have changed. And you know, the media, uh, this is me talking, but the media seems like, just a, a super PAC or an arm of the Democrat party today. Like they work hand in yeah. hand, they coordinate messaging together. Um, was there a moment for you when you realized that? Yeah. Yeah. I remember, um, I, I don't remember all of the circumstances about it, but it was a political situation and we covered it. We covered it in such a way that was factually incorrect. And I remember going to one of the higher ups in the company and saying, uh, you guys want me to say this, but that's not true. That's not what happened. And Sean, I was point blank told to shut up and read the prompter. <laughs> and I was like, I'm, I'm like, I'm sorry. You want me to, you want me to lie? And I was basically summarily dismissed. And I remember going home to my husband and saying, Joe, I don't, uh, 
I don't, I don't think I have it anymore. And he's like, pal, we've got five kids to put through college, get your butt back at, at work. Right. And that was really the, that was like the unraveling for me where I was like, I'm not down with this. And then I would copy and paste things. You know, you have young producers and, and they would write things and I would rewrite things. And then all of a sudden a story would come up that was political in nature that clearly they did not write. So I would cut and paste, copy and paste and put it into Google. And it would be some story from the AP. And I'm like, so we're just regurgitating stuff that these news mills that are very leftist biased, right, are putting out there. I'm like, that's, that's not what I do. And it was starting to conflict in a very serious way. And it bothered me in a huge way. How did you process that? Because I mean, obviously you, you, yeah, I can't, you know, I can't imagine Wendy because you do. I mean, the reality is, is like, you're a professional, you're there to do a job, as you mentioned, there to report the facts. Clearly that's something that is very important to you. Um, what I also find remarkable about you is your commitment to thinking critically, right? Not buying the narratives that that are being fed to us every day uh, from from the media. But there's a balance, right? Because you have to make a living. You have to provide for your family. But you also mm-hmm. want to be able to feel comfortable where you are. How did you manage that for so long? I was lucky. I had a doctor for a husband. <laughs> so I had, some, I had some financial backing. You know what it was, Sean? So... For you, it was 9-11. Mm-hmm. 9-11 got you in the military. Am I right? Yeah, correct. So for me, it was the Q Creek mine disaster. Do you remember that? Of course I remember that. Yeah, you were front and center for that too. Yeah, I was there for 24 hours and it was nonstop. Um, that changed my life. I got to see... Yet again, small town America. I mean, this is Somerset County, Pennsylvania, right? Not really on the map. And the American flags and the support and the love of community and then the overarching love of country. To me, I was like, oh my gosh, it fundamentally changed me. And and who gets to cover a story where everybody lives? Everybody always dies. It's always tragic. Every story is always terrible. The news is terrible. And that's why I told so many f- stories and, and won so many Emmy Awards because I did those stories that were really emotional and they were success stories. Um, and it, it fun- that the Q Creek Mind thing fundamentally changed my world. And I realized, you know, I have a job. It's not who I am. It's what I do. And people trust me when they say, yeah, you can, you can interview me or you can tell my story. They, they trust me to get it right, to tell the truth, to be honest. And I saw an awful lot of that that didn't go the right way. And it's heartbreaking when you love an industry and you see it die before your eyes. What about that moment covering that story changed things for you? You said it was, it was obviously, I remember it. It was powerful. Um, as you mentioned, it, everybody survived. Um, but what about that really changed your perspective? You know, it was when I found out that they were all alive, I went like this and I jumped up and I went, yes. And I was criticized for it in the local newspaper. They said, I got, I got excited. I shouldn't be excited. You shouldn't show that kind of emotion. And I was like, are you out of your ever loving mind? 
I'm not there as as anything other than an American who is pulling for these families. You know, I watched the the moms and their children waiting to hear if their husbands, if their fathers were going to make it. And I'm like, I'm going to celebrate however the hell I want to celebrate. That was a magnanimous triumph. All of the things that had to happen, all of the right decisions made by people who are ignored in society. These aren't people, these engineers, these goofballs, they're not paid attention to that the smartest, most wonderful, hardworking people in the world. And they get crapped on all the time by these elites and people in the media. And I'm like, this is where my heart is. My heart isn't in the city. My heart is in the country where people work for a living, where they get dirty hands and dirty shoes and they, and they work their butts off and they provide and they do the right thing always because it's the right thing to do. We don't do that enough. And then the next day, the next night, I sorry to interrupt you, Sean, but the next day after that, when they were all pulled to safety, we had been up for 24 hours. We did our final hit in the morning and there was a line of cars. It had to be two miles long of people who'd been following all night. This was international news. We were on the, we were on television <laughs> in, in Dubai. <laughs> People were following it because this doesn't happen. Like this isn't, this never happens. And the number of people who just pulled up to reach their hand out at the window of their car and say, thank you. You took me on a journey that I needed. America needed that win right after 9-11. And it was right after 9-11. We needed that victory. And I got to be there for it. I mean, it's, I think that's, it's an amazing story, but clearly, you know, your appreciation of small town America is is it's, it's it's manifestly apparent to me and and I've known you for a while but but I think that's something that uh, the media in this country at large especially our national media but even to a lesser extent our media out of Pittsburgh or Philadelphia I think a lot of people see uh Pennsylvania as you know two cities Pittsburgh Philly but the reality is is there are small towns just like Somerset all over the state and and indeed the country that feel like they're forgotten and you know East Palestine is is one of those. Like I live in Beaver County, like in Western Pennsylvania, like probably East Palestine is a stone's throw away from me. You know, those people were devastated by that train derailment there and vinyl chloride and, and toxic plume of gas and a controlled burn into the atmosphere. And I know what that's like having been in Afghanistan, you know, with burn pits, breathing that stuff in day in and day out. I know how over time. Like you might not realize it at the time, but the stuff that you're breathing in is toxic. And I realized like when that happened, I mean, Josh Shapiro basically gave a press conference that said, like, I think the day of, you know, basically evacuate this area or, or die. And then he then he gallivanted off to the Super Bowl. Right. And clout chased out there while the people in East Palestine, Ohio and the people in Western Pennsylvania, including in Beaver County and around the Pittsburgh area, suffered. And that, to me, is emblematic, Wendy, of the problem that that we face in this country, not just in Pennsylvania, but all over the country of leaders who are detached from the problems of everyday America. And, and, and I think that's what when you saw President Trump go there. Right. He was there yesterday. Did you have, did you get a chance to watch some of the videos of him mm -hmm. engaging with the I look, I. I people I I'm, I love President Trump. He's been good to me. I'm friends with Don Jr. So like all cards on the table. Like, but but I've never seen a president in my lifetime, Democrat or Republican, it resonate with small town people like that. Right the on. Right that, on. There I was mean, a, right. 
There was, there was a guy, um, there was a guy who, you know, he's just a working man. You can tell he's just a hardworking dude. He's younger than Liar. <laughs> he could probably be my son. And he's got his camera out and he's holding it up and he doesn't look like a guy who does a lot of selfies, right? And he's doing this <laughs> video and behind him are all these people who are who are scared, who've been forgotten, who nobody's paying attention to, and the motorcade is coming through. And he looked like Christmas morning. And it literally almost made me cry. That is the, that is the connection. Nobody, the, the people in the uniparty, the elites, they don't understand. They don't understand. They don't want to understand. They can't understand, which is why Donald Trump scares them so much, which is why someone like me scares them on a much lower level, but why it scares them because we speak about basic values that everybody understands except them. And to see him show up in the mud, in the rain, in small town, Pennsylvania on the border of Ohio, it spoke volumes, it spoke volumes. I mean, the, the guy is out there before Joe Biden's own transportation secretary got there. Like Pete Buttigieg went out there today and he's wearing like this hard hat and these safety glasses and his little reflective vest. He looked like he was a five year old playing dress up, didn't know, look, looked like he didn't know what the hell he was doing, surrounded himself with bureaucrats. You know, he sure as hell wasn't going to open himself up to having a conversation with the town who would most assuredly boo him. Um no, they wouldn't because they're too classy. That's actually true. That's actually true. They wouldn't. They wouldn't because they're not They're not the kind of people. Small town America, the heartbeat of America is not used to handouts. They're not used to help. They're used to helping each other. You know, and I learned that when I was in journalism school as a master's student at University of Missouri. I was there for the flood of 1993. It was devastating, like to see cities, to see communities washed away. There was no federal government swooping in with the help. It was it was neighbors from other areas. It was neighbors from other states coming in, sandbagging, um, providing food, driving in miles, hours away and helping each other out. That is the heartbeat of America, right? And it's, it's classy and it's quiet and it doesn't, it's not boastful. Um, it doesn't want to be in the spotlight. It's embarrassed by the spotlight. Why do you think you're so embarrassed when I call you a war hero or I say that you led your men and, and because of that, you know, how many came back alive. I mean, you're uncomfortable and you will always deflect and say, if it wasn't with my team, if it wasn't my platoon, this wouldn't, you will do that. It's intrinsic in you. That's intrinsic in small town America. It is not in people who are putting profits over people and are trying to puddle jump up to the top. And politics is dirty. It's not about service. It's about glamour. It's about power. It's about control. And it's about money. The people in East Palestine, Ohio, don't want money. They just want to drink the water. I, that's um, that's it's insanely powerful. I mean, I I have to. Do you do you feel? Is this the reason why you keep fighting your affinity for for small town America totally. people? Who, by the way. You're absolutely right in that they feel like they're completely forgotten and left behind. 
Is this part of the reason why you fight 100%. so hard, why you're so tenacious? You know, when Donald Trump called into my show in, it was September or whatever, and I always knew I was going to get him at some point because there there aren't a lot of conservative women out there who have a job like I have. So clearly they were going to know who I was and they found out and, and he was excited to call in and I was delighted to take the call. But the end of it was I had the opportunity to say to him, I said, Mr. President, I just want to say thank you. And you could hear him just sort of like gasp. And I said, we watch what you do. We know what you've said. We know the barbs that you've taken so that we don't. I'm like, there aren't words to thank you for that. Like, you've been enemy number one because you're the threat to these people who want to destroy this great American experiment. And you've stood in the way for us. Like, I don't have words. And he was like, like he was speechless, and I was like, I don't think you hear that enough. Wait, President Trump but, was speechless. What did he, what did know, he say? Right? Did he say? I, I mean, know. if you if you can talk about it, like I don't want to put you in a bad spot, but yeah, like, no. did he, what did he tell you? You know what? He was very humble and very dear. And whether it was true or not, he was like, you know what? We've been paying attention to you for a while now, and um, I'm really excited to talk to you. I'm really proud of what you've been doing. Whether or not that's true, who knows? In my heart, I'd like to believe it. But just to talk to him was was really powerful. And it wasn't like some geeky, <gasps> but it was rather, I have in my heart what he does too. Mm-hmm. And um, and what America feels. I mean, you know? a, a, clearly it's a deep abiding love for, for America. And that's what, that's what I appreciate so much about President Trump. And like, you know, it... it, it it drives me crazy how people disingenuously at- attack him for almost mm-hmm. everything. Now, you yeah. know, do I agree with everything that he says? Like, of course, of course not. But like what what I tell people is that, well, you know, come to Thanksgiving at my house. You'll see that my own family, my mother and I don't agree all the time. So I, I reject the notion that as as conservatives, we always have to agree. In fact, when conservatives always agree on things, groupthink happens and then bad things happen like this. I, like like the whole the whole notion of this this war in Ukraine is a perfect example of that. Conservatives will say, well, we need to we need to fund Ukraine and fight for freedom there so that we have it here. And I just take a step back and I think to myself and really President Trump was the catalyst for me to start thinking about these things differently. Like, wait a second, like maybe we don't need to do that. You know, maybe we should be focusing on the fact that we have, you know, millions of illegal immigrants coming across our southern border and it's a tidal wave of human suffering. Or maybe we should focus on the lawlessness in our cities and in the war on police. Or maybe we should focus on our the debt and deficit that's soaring or the fact that, like, it seems as if every day uh, Joe Biden or the Uniparty, as you call it, like are just coming after our freedoms and just whittling away at them little by little. Like, why are we worried about a, a war in Ukraine, by the way, which Biden has a weird relationship with, you know, the oligarchs Everybody, there. And like, the I don't know what's yeah. happening with the money. I, there's cl- I clearly don't know the mission other than stop Putin, which, by the way, he's a thug. If he died tomorrow, I wouldn't care. But like there's some there's something going on here. And and I think that Trump, when you talk about him being a threat to the Uniparty, Uniparty this is like what what I mean. That man went to Washington for four years, Wendy. 
And I've he he equal equal parts pissed off Democrats and Republicans <laughs> like on a day to day basis. And I think to myself, like, that's exactly why I voted for him twice, because right because of that, because of that perspective, because he brings right. something different. And you can just see and feel, you know, how just how much the establishment, both the Democrats and Republicans and and the corporate media don't want him to run again. You know, isn't it crazy? Amen. You know, and, and the thing that when we're, we're bailing out all these other people, and I think we all know what it is, and everything's just a giant money laundering operation, I think. But, but you know what, the, 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 if I were a leader of a community, if I was the mayor of Pittsburgh or a governor, and this is going to sound so trivial and very trite in the world of problems that we have in this country, I would pick up the freaking trash. You know, if you don't have people who respect what they have, it's because they weren't brought up the right way. And we have filth in this state. I mean, Sean, you drive the parkways that I drive. It's disgusting. There's just no, there's no pride. There's no, um, there's no sense of it's all about entitlement and, and handout rather than what can I do to make the situation better. If you live in filth, you'll have a filthy life. And that is kind of where we are. I mean, what happened with the Democrats, though, though, Wendy, like if you think about like JFK, ask not what your country can do for you, but what right. you can do for your country. That perspective in the modern day Democrat Party is completely gone. And you talk to Democrats, especially in Western Pennsylvania, you know, there is a massive disconnect between them. You know, my grandfather was a lifelong Union Democrat. Like, it's just who he was. You know, if you were born and raised in Western Pennsylvania and you were a working class person, like you were a Democrat. But he would he would be rolling over in his grave today at what the Democrat Party has become. And. It seems like it doesn't even seem like it's true that that they don't. I mean, is it bad for me to say that I don't think that Joe Biden or Pete Buttigieg went to East Palestine, Ohio until like almost 20 days later, because that's a place that voted for Republicans by almost 70 over 70 plus percent for Republicans. And Ohio is a place that that is a Republican state. Like I'm a cynical person, but I, I, I personally believe that. The Democrats or the radical left, say the radical left, because I don't want to indict all Democrats with this, but they don't see their politics like we see our politics. They look at their politics like a religion and the ends justify the means. And so I think that they just blew off East Palestine, Ohio, because they're a Republican area and they frankly don't care. Well, even more insidious, perhaps, is that it's almost all white. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's literally I think I think the population of East Palestine is something like 0.3 percent black. I mean, literally, it's that white. It's white working class, which shouldn't matter and doesn't matter to the lion's share of us. I don't care who's hurting in terms of their demographic. You know, what can we do to help? And there's just that, that's why the whole trash issue galls me, because it's indicative of just the unraveling of the respect for what we have. You know, people are, are dying to get here um, through our borders and through the Darien Gap and all these other 
places where it's so treacherous because of what is here. And we have people who've never actually, they have no skin in the game because they've been given it. They don't, they haven't gone to Afghanistan. They haven't knocked on doors and wondered, is somebody going to try to shoot me on the other side by and large, unless they live in Philadelphia. And then, sorry, you know what I mean, (laughs) but like you don't, all you do is bitch. And you bitch about stuff that is inconsequential by and large because the problems they are beating a drum for are manufactured by and large. And and I would understand why it would be a very difficult thing to be a Democrat in this country right now because their party has left them. It's become radically extreme at the whims of global elites and everything that they put their money in sucks. It's terrible from children to education. Our schools suck. Our roads suck. Our infrastructure sucks. The money is, where is it coming from? Gavin Newsom just yesterday announced that, oh, sorry, we have a budget deficit that's between seven and $10 billion. (laughs) And oh, by the way, we're going to get rid of all gas powered cars by 2035, which is. And lawnmowers and leaf blowers. And it's like, you know what, dude, how about we fix some stuff? you know, that's serious because you're not going to move the needle changing what we do in the United States when you have India and you've got China and you've got populations of billions of people who aren't changing what they're doing in terms of greenhouse crap. It's all a sham. It's all a scam. And anybody who's paying attention who loves America knows it. I mean, if you look at what's happening with this whole green movement, it's really not about the environment. It's not about the climate. It's simply about a method of control and money. And it's it's all a way to for the government to strip freedom away from the people. For example, like if if climate activists actually cared about the climate and the planet, then they would abhor the, the mass production of electric cars because in order for them to manufacture their batteries or critical components of that vehicle, have they have to, the earth. yes, they have to mine for rare earth minerals. And if you go to countries where they do that and you tour the mines, they are literally drilling, you know, thousands of feet down into the earth, running little trucks up the ramps on the side, and they're pulling these minerals out and they're pouring acid on them and they're distilling them. And then they're putting them in furnaces and distilling them some more. They're destroying the earth to pull those rare earth minerals out just for a few electric cars. And oh, by the way, it's completely not sustainable. They call these things rare earth minerals for a reason. They're pretty rare. And so the, the Democrats are advocating for a plan that they know is not sustainable, but they know if people are using electric stoves and driving electric cars, then they can flip a switch when they don't comply and stop them from traveling. And that's what the, the whole climate change bullshit is all about, is stripping way, people's and, yeah. freedom away. And if these people cared about the climate and the environment and the air, why aren't they in East Palestine, Ohio? What a great point. I mean, if there's not something that they can grift off it, like they can't, the lobbyists can't sell solar panels in Washington, D.C., then they, then they don't care. You Which know, and made it, in China. Exactly. Exactly. And if you cared about the climate, if something if, if if climate change was something that was you were really passionate about, then why aren't we investing more in oil and natural gas here that we have in, in Pennsylvania that, you know, with President Trump, as he embraced the natural gas industry in Pennsylvania, we've been able to drive our carbon emissions down every year for the last 20 years just by embracing fracking. 
but they don't care about that. You know, they don't care about that. They would rather they would rather grift off electric vehicles and virtue signal and destroy the earth at the same time. Also, they can gain that they can gain control over the American people. That's that's bottom line. That's what the agenda is. Well, and the good news is that when you start sniffing around and saying that, then they'll come up with something else like a spy balloon or transgender surgeries or all this other BS that is just completely preposterous. I mean, every single thing they do, think about it, every single thing they do sucks. It steals something from you, brings the world to more mediocre, average expectation, makes everything unattainable and unaffordable. And that's the point. That's the point, because then you need a high need the government. Why do you think housing projects don't work? Housing projects don't work because the people who live there have no skin in the game. They own nothing. You take care of what you own. When you're 16 and your mom and dad don't buy you a car and you have to work a summer job mowing lawns to buy that car, guess who takes care of that car? You do when it's given to you from the government. Here, stay here. Here, do this. Nobody cares. It's chaos. It's madness. It's fentanyl. It's criminality. It's soft on crime. Defund the police. It's on purpose. All on purpose. Well, well, Wendy, how? so how do you raise five boys in this like so you first of all you've got to be worried about their future because think i've never seen things fall apart in this country so fast you know things right. under president trump the economy was booming we were mm-hmm. energy independent we right. we had we were on the brink of peace in the middle east something that i thought would never be possible law enforcement didn't get in any take wars it. yeah didn't didn't involve yeah everyone talking about oh trump's going to cause world war 3 but we weren't we didn't get involved in any wars and that's something that's deeply deeply personal to me as well because i know and understand what it means to be in a war and to lose people that you love and you care about so and to me it, you know what comes part and parcel the ultimate responsibility of a leader is to is to pursue peace the highest aspiration of, of America should be peace through strength, but peace nonetheless. It, how, but how do you raise your boys in a world that seems like it's completely coming apart at the seams? You have five kids now, don't you? <laughs> I see what you did there. You turned it around on me. Yes, yes, I do. And I'm worried about it every day, Wendy. Every single day I worry about their future and their opportunities and the kind of country that they'll inherit. That's why you're doing this. That's why I do it too. What do you tell them about this stuff? Like, what do you, what do you tell them? Do you have to tell them anything about like, for example, drag queen story hours in schools or teaching our children about sexually explicit stuff in first, second, third grade, or, you know, the the idea that America is an is not an inherently good country, that America is inherently evil, that must be fundamentally transformed from the ground up. I and mean, you've got right. two you've got two kids in college. You know that they're being taught that stuff there. You know it. They tell so me how they do, tell me about it, too. Yeah. So how do you what, you're a mom and 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 you're a fighter. Well, how do you make sure your kids have those same traits in them as well? They watch us. They know. They know. They're going to make the same stupid mistakes that we made. I just, you know, the, the thing that scares me is is the drugs. That scares me more than anything else. Um, two kids in college, uh, three in high school. And they're all Catholic in Catholic stuff. Mm-hmm. So there is some respite there. But there's the Catholic stuff is still 
corrupted by totally. social justice bullshit. Totally. Um, I mean, my, my, by the way, I'm Catholic too. My kids are in Catholic school as well. And I see some of the stuff that this, that this Pope is saying and I'm like, what? You know, you, you engage them. You ask them what they think. Uh, you know what scares me the most, Sean? So they are, um, they are bright. They are funny. They're independent thinkers. The girls out there are crazy. They're a lot of very malleable, um, insecure young people, boys and girls. And the phone, the videos, the um, the constant barrage of imagery that somebody else is doing things better than you, or they look better, or they're having more fun, this fear of missing out. It's very psychological. And um, I think the best thing that you can do is create a stable home environment with your wife. And with my husband, marriage is far from easy and it's far from perfect. But when you have that united like team front, it's not about raunchy and it's not about perfect. It's about love and support and them. And they watch you do that. So I think good begets good. Do you think that are you going to encourage your kids, your boys to to be involved like you are to run for office, to stay in the fight? Um, no, I don't encourage them to do anything. I encourage them to tell the truth and to be honest and to admit when they blow it, because we don't have a lot of that in this country. I mean, honestly, if, if Pete Buttigieg, and this is a dumb ex example, but it's really not. If Pete Buttigieg today, when he finally showed up in East Palestine, Ohio, if the, the woman chirping at him saying, what's your message to these people? Why does it take you so long? If he had turned to the camera and said, or turned to her and said, I blew it. That's on me. I should have been here. I should have been with you people. And I'm embarrassed. And there's not words that I can say, which is why I'm walking away right now because I'm hanging my head. And I'm sorry. And I won't do this again. Ever. But see, that involves somebody with charisma, with character, and who cares. And those three C's are not part of his vocabulary. I try to teach my kids that. You're going to make mistakes. Don't lie. Don't hide it come forward and be like, that was me, my mistake. I apologize. What can I do to fix it? All of a sudden you take the, the, the fury out of somebody's sails and they're like, you know, if one of your kids does something in your house and they break something or they do something and they say to you, that was, I don't dad. I'm so, ah, that's my son. I'm sorry. That's okay. And that's say, okay. <laughs> and, they, and they say, I, you know, I did this. What are you going to do? Yell at them? No, you're going to say, you know, I wish you would have been more careful or you knew better, but already you're, you're diffused like 75%. See, people who don't care don't get that. I you totally agree. Care. I mean, what, what, what you're so right in that there is such a lack of humility in so many of, of our, of our leaders. And you're right. Had Pete Buttigieg just said, I messed up. I'm sorry. I'm here now and I'm going to do everything that I can to 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 make things better or you know maybe I didn't take this as seriously. I mean, I mean there's a thousand different things that he could have said other than just ways. like yes. yeah, other than yes. just like you, put his palm in the face and you know, talk to my press secretary or or like it you're so right. What, what, that what? involves that involves authenticity and people are afraid of being themselves and I don't know why. Because you know what people like, you know what, 
so on my on my radio show, we live stream the whole thing. We have up to 7,000 or more people yeah. watching live at any time, which is a great thrill. You built a movement, they, Wendy. You built a movement they, for sure. But they don't care what I look like. They see me foostering with my hair and putting on lipstick and making fun of it and, and joking that I am chemically dependent because I'm 52 and I've got gray hair. And, and But they're like, yeah, because they're going through the same thing. And I tell personal stories about my boys and things that frighten me. And they say, yeah, because they're going through it too. Like we're all in it together. And yet we have these people who want to pretend and, and that lack of authenticity, I think kills everyone. You know, it kills you be who you are. Nobody expects you to be perfect, right? It's disarming when somebody trips, just not up air force one steps, but you know, when somebody <laughs> is not perfect and we don't live in that world right now. Well, do you, I mean, Here's the thing, like you, I think at least on the conservative side of the aisle, when you talk about, uh, Wendy, you know, Hey, be yourself, right. You had to go through some pretty terrible shit, like being fired yeah. from, I mean, seriously. And I, like I say fired and I, I don't mean it like in a way that like you did not. I was do an international anything. racist. I was an it international was racist. We had family members in freaking where, where were they? They were like a million miles away and they're like, what happened? And I'm like, Oh, for the love of all things, really? Um, and, and I think the thing that made it even worse is that the station that fired me. And for those who aren't familiar with this, I wrote about black on black crime in my neighborhood after a family of six, six black people, literally two miles from where I raised my sons were shot and killed by, you know, by AK-47s and by thugs, by gangs and thugs. And I spoke up about it. I'm like, I can't care more about my neighbors than my neighbors care about my neighbors. What are we doing? And I got axed for that. And then the station put up an apology. Like I had written it. I'm like, I won't apologize for what I said. I've won 20 Emmys at that place. 20 of my 21 Emmys I won at that TV station for telling stories. I think 13 of them are about black people. About my African-American neighbors, no, my black neighbors, who, who have risen above ridiculous circumstance and get no, no publicity at all for the magnanimous things that they do in their neighborhoods every single day. And I said to them, why don't we ever cover these stories? So I started to. And amazingly, people were hungry for these kinds of stories because not everything sucks. And then I became a racist for saying, can we stop killing each other? Is it possible? And it was interesting because a, a dude for the black, for the Pittsburgh Courier, a black newspaper in town, was the one who stood up and he's like, so we've got a white woman saying what the black community doesn't have the balls to say. And she's the one who gets the axe. All right. I mean, I, uh, I know who I am. You know who you are. Well, I mean, look, I know what it's like to be utterly destroyed by the media. I know what it's like to be branded something that you're not. Uh, you know, I. Anybody that paid any attention to my Senate race knows I had every media outlet in the country at my custody trial. I had every media outlet in the country, even some conservative ones, just branding me as something that that I was not. And so I few people understand what you went through more than I than than I do, Wendy. And like I would say what I was building to before was that you know exactly who you are and that is manifestly apparent in the movement that you've built and i think that's part of the reason why people who watch your show adore you because you are authentic you do say exactly what you mean and there's such a there's such a desire for that you know 
not not like I'm perfect in every way, right? Like a sort of warts and all approach to life because we all have our own stuff, right? Um, but there, like there were, like you didn't get there overnight. Like you went through some tough stuff. Like this whole thing that you just laid out with the new station that you worked at, and then it was like, and then the next thing, you, the next thing I turn around is you got fit. You're like gaining all this steam and traction, and you're doing these awesome live stream shows on Facebook. I know because I joined you on a bunch of them, and all of a sudden Facebook, your Facebook kind of cuts you off. It says, but then you find oh, then another I got way. Fired twice in radio, yeah. Then I got fired <laughs> twice in radio. It's ridiculous. It's it's it's, it's ridiculous, and like. The, At that it's, point, it's just game on. It's just it's game not, on. I, mean, I, it, I struggle with it, Wendy. It's not e- – I don't – you know, it, it's, it's still not – It's fresh for you. It's still fresh for you. It's not easy, you know? There's it, time. I mean, like, you know the cycle of grieving. You know, not only did I lose a job that I, I thought I really loved. I you had 20-plus Emmys. You had 20-plus Emmys. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. How many medals do you have? Do you walk around with them on your chest? No. 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 It doesn't make who you are. It's a chapter of your life. But what happened was they took away a career that I loved. But what I realized was from all of that, the career that I thought I loved had changed. And I wasn't down with the change. So I was either going to get fired or I was going to have to end up walking away. And the good Lord forced my hand and pushed me in a direction I never could have imagined. Like if that hadn't happened, you and I are going to have this conversation in two years. And you're going to go back on this. And you're going to see that the wounds are still raw for you. But they heal and you'll be in a different direction doing something completely different that you had never imagined in a million years. And you're going to look back and you're going to say like, amen. Thank you for that. And if you think that there's not a Lord. How do you, how did you keep the right attitude when you were going through all that stuff? Like what, I mean, obviously you've, you've got five boys and you love this country. You're a true believer. And like what it's, was it hard at times? I remember the next day after I got fired, <clears throat> I had to take my son, who, my oldest son, who was then an, a sophomore in high school, hadn't yet gotten his driver's license. And it was a terrible rainy day and he missed the school bus. So I had to drive him to school and he flipped on the radio and two um, guys who host a morning show were tearing me to shreds calling me this, calling me that racist, this racist, that. And I looked at him And I said, honey, I am so sorry because this is going to get hard for you. And he goes, mom, oh, I'm sorry for you. And then I had to go to the grocery store that day. And being a very public figure, everybody knew who I was. And the looks, that was was uncomfortable. But you make a decision. You're like, what am I not going to, I'm not going to go out and live my life. I'm not going to stand up straight. If anything, I stood up straighter. And I was like, I know who I am. You people can suck it. Like whatever. And, and you know what you learn? And here's the thing. You know what you learn? Your your world. So you're born. You have a very small circle, mom and dad. Then it gets bigger. You have siblings. Then you go to school and it gets bigger. And then you get a job and it gets bigger and you get married. And then you do this. And then you have children. And then it gets getting smaller and it gets a little smaller. Right? And then it's just you and your partner, just you. All right? That's the cycle. I was able to eliminate a lot of dead weight real fast you know, you know who, who your friends are you do it's like uh, that is something that i learned is Enough that with the charade yeah i mean it's it's it is amazing to me yeah the people that matter stay 
the people that know you. Stay. Why do you think Andrew is still with you? Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, I, I mean, it's uh, Brock to me. It's my husband to me. You're very small. You don't need a whole lot. There's very little that you need, Sean Parnell, to make you happy. You know, money makes things a little bit more uh, comfortable, but that's not the drive. The drive is being able to be who you are, how you are, where you are, with the people you want to be with without any pretenses and fakeness. <laughs> Done. Do you, <laughs> so you clearly don't give a shit about... You know what the trolls say, or any like you. Uh, you know what's it's hard if for me don't. because I'm like a, I'm kind of like this is all like a learning experience for me. Like I've been in the public eye for ten years prior to politics, but like I am a people pleaser, Wendy. Like and it was like. By the way, everywhere I went, I would do 35 to 40 public events a year for my for my books, Democrats, Republicans. I was copacetic with everybody. And the moment I ran for office and had that R after my name, it was like 50 percent of this country absolutely hated me. And right. I, it was hard for me because I'm a, I'm a people pleaser. I like getting along with people. But if you know, you look for silver linings in things and, and clearly like. What you said is like this, you're, the experience taught you a lot. You're, it sounds like you're actually grateful for it now because it's opened up, you know, had an opportunity oh to be. Yeah. Thank like, you. I mean, how many it, times I'm like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, the perspective on, on all of it and, and you'll get there. And the idea of just being grateful, you know, like being grateful for the things that you have, I think it's just so important in life, you know, even when you're going through hardship. Just taking the opportunity and saying, you know what? Like, yeah, maybe shit's hitting the fan a little bit right now, but I'm grateful. Donald Trump put you in a spotlight and accelerated the political career for you, the likes of which I don't think anybody could possibly know. You found found yourself in a fight that you didn't ask for, but you got called out to serve. And you served before, and you walked into the war, and you served again. However, you're not a political creature. You've learned to become a little bit of that, but it's not fundamental to who you are. You serve. This is why I say that we need more veterans in in, in office, because they're mission-focused, not me-focused. There's a difference. For the love of all that is holy, <laughs> shut up. I thought I turned that off. Jesus. So you're, in high, you're in high demand, Wendy. You I'm don't have not, to apologize. No, I'm not. It's so annoying. Um, you are mission-focused. And that is why this whole transition for you was weird, because you have to become me-focused now. You have to focus on what your mission, but your message is, and it's got to be you, 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 you. And that is weird, and it's going to be uncomfortable. And the and the raw emotions of being dragged through the mud, even though you know who you are, don't forget that, right? They cannot take that away from you, ever, right? If anything, it's it makes it stronger. And if there aren't trolls around you, if there aren't people chirping around you, you better look at yourself and be like, what am I doing wrong? Yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a sign of victory. That is true. You're dead. When, when you have the Democrats or the radical left attacking you, you know, you're over the target. Shit. When you have Republicans attacking you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so you, what what is next for you? I mean, gosh, I mean, you're hosting a show on Newsmax now. You've got your your live stream radio show on Rumble, which, by the way. 
I don't know anything about Rumble, but you gave me a shout out today on Rumble and I just like started my channel a little bit ago, but like channel blew up because of you. So th obviously thank you for that. Um, but what is next for you? Um, what is next for me? I have a kid graduating from college. <laughs> I have one kid who's going to be going to college. I have two sons who are going to need to learn how to drive. And I'm going to do that. And I'm going to cyber dream about a home that is probably six bedrooms on the Gulf Coast of Florida, probably. <laughs> it's got canal access and a dock so we can fish. And I'm going to have grandchildren. Wait, so you, do you see how you see what I said? Nothing had to do with my job. Yeah, I, I did. I get. I, so wait, what I heard was that you're moving out of Pennsylvania. Oh, I will. Absolutely. Once my kids are done with high school. Yeah, we're going to let them go through high school. So probably three more years and then let them come back. Because I think coming back from your first semester in college and seeing all your friends at Thanksgiving and Christmas is a triumph. And then we're out. I'm done. I, I, I don't want to live. This place, unfortunately, has changed so irreparably, and I don't, I don't have the um, ability to change it. So I'll do what I want to do somewhere where the sun shines, where the beer is cold, and where the fish are biting. <laughs> and I will begin my next chapter. And the, the, the good thing about what we do, what I do at least, and what you're about to do, is that you don't have to do it from a location that's set. You can go from anywhere. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be free. Well, and I don't want, I don't want Pennsylvania to, to lose you, though. You know, that sucks. Please, please. That's it's true. Consequential. Nah, 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 nah. I, I just I don't think that there are enough fighters here uh, to, to move the needle. Um, there are some very passionate people who are wonderful, but I just don't see the politics here changing. And that's disheartening. Yeah. Very the, disheartening. The, 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 the left in this state has sort of. The, the word rigged is so loaded, but they've definitely rigged the game here. You know, even even things like, you know, the no excuse mail in ballot law, the whole Act 77 in Pennsylvania is is clearly, clearly unconstitutional. You could have a fifth grade reading level and read the Pennsylvania state constitution and know that it's unconstitutional. Yet the Pennsylvania Supreme Court upheld it as constitutional for some. It's like, how does that you know how it happens? Five two Democrats supermajority. That's how it happens, and so I see your point. The only the only way that yeah, I see your point. Pennsylvania is is on the ropes right now. That's for sure. Well, and I think at some point too, it's like, aren't you ready for a new adventure at some point? Like when your kids are are grown up and then moving along. I mean, it's time for a new chapter, one that you decide that you define. You know, it's been a good ride here, but it's it's like. It doesn't make me who I am. I'm to, I'm gonna. I'm looking forward to that. And whatever happens with our show, um, you know, I hope that we will be syndicated, and I think that'll happen soon. Um, I think it's baby steps. I think there's a very, very white male um, domination of of conservative radio, and I love white men. I live with six of them, um, but I think it's time for a new voice and a time for a woman, a time for a mom. A time for common sense, and um, and I think that I could be that person. I really do. I think that you are that person. I think you are. I mean, you Rush have Limbaugh was fired seven times. By the way, I'm not even halfway there. You know? <laughs> see this. See this is why I started off the interview with you being fired. See, I knew, I knew that that, that we were building to something here. You know. <laughs> 
<laughs> you're gonna you're gonna be the, the the next generation's Rush Limbaugh, you know. But hopefully, uh, hopefully, you don't get fired seven times in order to get there. But that is a pretty damn cool. It's a pretty damn cool goal, that's for sure. <laughs> I love it. It's great. Well, you're amazing. Um, thank you for the time, Wendy. I mean, uh, honestly, like, I love catching up with you. Um, I liked being the one asking the questions and getting a chance to listen to you talk. But thank you very much for coming on Battleground. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. I'm so excited to watch what happens <laughs> for you. You're going to, honest to God, just, you know, you're going to have those times where you're like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> And you're going to, and you have to try and you have to be willing for it to fail and your internet to be shitty and for equipment not to work out. And you're going to make some things of purchases that you didn't need to make. And you're going to be like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? And then all of a sudden it's going to click and you're going to be like, wait a minute, that worked. Um, let's try this now. And it's going to be fantastic. And I'm going to be right there behind you, pushing you along the way. Well, you've been so much, you've just helped so much. You know, and I, I mean it when I say how I'm so, so grateful and thank you. Just thank you. That's all. That's all there is to say, really. Goes both ways. Okay. We'll, we'll see you soon, Wendy. Take care, love. Good luck. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Bye. All right, everybody. That is a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Battleground podcast. It has been an amazing journey over these last two months. We've grown like gangbusters, and really, I'm so grateful for you all. Um, if you like what you heard in that episode with Wendy Bell, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts or to my YouTube channel so you can watch it. Or now we're on Rumble. You can subscribe there as well. Um, thank you for being a part of this. Uh, keep an eye out for updates in our newsletter. Go to officialshawnparnell.com. Check out the brand new Battleground apparel. Um, and as always, thank you very much uh, for the time. God bless you all. And God bless this amazing country that we live in. Take care. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are the old world picturesque shores of Europe calling you? Set sail on an adventure with Avalon Waterways. Enjoy an elevated cruising experience. 
Avalon Waterways offers smaller ships, bigger experiences, with fewer people, and more of, well, everything good about river cruising. Don't just dream about quaint towns and cobblestone villages. See them for yourself and make lasting memories. Discover limited-time offers today at avalonwaterways.com.